Good morning. This is Dr. Odell Glenn of the OG Inspiration Show. Hoping that you had an awesome week last week and looking forward to a great week this week. And so let us begin with prayer. God, we thank you for another day, an hour, an opportunity to spread your love and your knowledge and to be educated. And God, we thank you for our guests on today. And we thank you for what he is going to pour into us to motivate us, to inspire, and to educate us. We praise you. Amen. Amen. And so the purpose of the OG Inspiration Show is to inspire, motivate, empower, enrich the lives of others through education, career planning, nonprofit organizations, authors, faith-based communities, coaches, entrepreneurs, professionals, and small business owners. For the purpose of life is to live it, to taste experience, to turn obstacles into opportunity, to the utmost and to reach out eagerly and without fear for newer and richer opportunities and experiences. And so today we have an awesome guest. He wrote a memoir entitled Race Against Against Race. And he was a former college football player. And we have a great interview with him. I'm going to not talk about it so much. I'm more excited than anything. But as I do each week, I'll give you quotes to live by. And because we're talking the game of football, football is a game that brutally tests the mind and the bodies of even the strongest players. It brings forth many lessons about the importance of perseverance, dedication, and hard work. And as a result, some of the best and most inspirational quotes can come from football minds, players, and coaches, both current and former, that made their mark in the NCAA or the NFL ranks. And so today, I just want to share a couple of football quotes that could push you and motivate you this week. And the first one is by Lou Holtz. And he said, no one ever drowned in sweat. Lou Holtz said, no one ever drowned in sweat. It takes a lot of work, but sweat is a part of life. And the good thing about it is when it's all said and done, no one has ever drowned. Emmett Smith said, I may win and I may lose, but I will never be defeated. That's really powerful. You can take that not only in sports, but you can take that in life. You may win some and you may lose, which is just a part of life, but you can never be defeated. And that defeated only comes from your mind to know that you can do all things. And success begins with the second letter, you. Cam Newton said, you cannot make progress with excuses. That's true for anything, whether you're going into business, changing careers, family planning, you can't progress if you're always making excuses. Paul Bear Bryant, he said, it's not the will to win that matters. It's the will to prepare to win that matters. So preparing sets the stage for success. And the last quote that I want to give today is by Vince Lombardi. The man on top of the mountain didn't fall there. I'm going to repeat that. The man on top of the mountain didn't fall there. It takes a process. It takes time. It takes dedication. It takes perseverance to get to the top of the mountain. You don't dream. You don't sit. You don't think about it. But you work each day. Each of the pieces of each of the puzzle helps you to get to the mountain successfully. And so today we have an example of someone who worked through his way through sports and have gotten to high points and now is able to share those experiences with us. And his name is Mr. Bo Dean. Mr. Bo Dean Sanders transferred from Shaney University, the oldest historically Black college university in America, to Villanova University, where he played football on a major white team. He graduated with a BS in liberal arts, and he writes about diversity and inclusion in sports and the positive impact of multiculturalism that it had on his personal relationship in college. Mr. Bo Dean Sanders wrote a memoir entitled Race Against Against Race, and it is a memoir about transcending stereotypes through the foundation of sports. He provides a unique perspective on building relationships with teammates and classmates from different socioeconomic backgrounds and races by reaching out, talking, and listening. 
It's the story of one young athlete's dream of playing college football and the racial divides that unfolded as he tried to fit on a predominantly white campus. He slowly integrates into his new environment by staying positive and focusing on shared experiences like chasing dreams. While painting a picture of a student athlete's campus life in the 80s, Sanders aims to examine the issues of race through his participation in college sports. He discovered that he and his teammates learned from each other to develop and grow relationships based on mutual respect and acceptance. Bo Dean Sanders is currently a board member of the Delaware County Press Club. Over the years, Bo Dean has been a part of notable articles in the Philadelphia Inquirer, Delco Times, Town Talk, Delaware Business Magazine, Out and About Magazine, Country Press, and Mainline Today. He is a native of Jacksonville, Florida, and he currently resides in Delaware County, Pennsylvania. After this commercial break, we will interview the none other than Mr. Bo Dean Sanders, entitled A Memoir, Race Against Against Race. In need of a motivational speaker for your upcoming event? Dr. Glenn speaks at school graduations, public gatherings, colleges, and universities. In addition, he is a national radio personality as well as published author. Have him speak at your next in-person or online event at 3tierfoundation at gmail.com. That's the number 3tierfoundation at gmail.com. Do you need a certain SAT score to get into the college of your choice? Well, Dr. Odell Glenn can help you get it. The Three-Tier Foundation offers online SAT prep classes. Dr. Glenn will show you test strategies and tactics needed to get the score you want. The exam is beatable with the proper coach. We are open to working with individuals, schools, and groups for six-week online sessions. Sign up at www.3tierfoundation.com forward slash SAT dash preparation. That's www.3tierfoundation.com forward slash SAT dash preparation. Does your child have an interest in STEM? Is he or she always asking the why questions? With four engineering degrees behind him, Dr. Glenn can help you better navigate the process. Sign up on his website at www.ogstem.com for newsletters, his upcoming book, and webinars dedicated to STEM, science, technology, engineering, and math. The key to success is to plan early. It's never too early to plan. Are you a full-time caregiver for a loved one with a terminal illness? Do you feel overwhelmed at times? Do you often feel as if there is no hope? Well, with over 12 years of caregiving experience for two parents alone, in addition to writing a dissertation, fulfilling ministerial obligations, working home-based businesses, and radio personality responsibilities, Dr. Odell Glenn has found the time and has had the energy to write a book to inspire and empower other caregivers. Purchase his book entitled, Caregiving, the inspirational manual on his website at www.ogcaregiving.com. And you can also book him to come and speak at your next event, function, or club. Again, the website is www.ogcaregiving.com. Well, welcome back, radio audience. This is Dr. Odell Glenn on the OG Inspiration Show. As mentioned, we have a special guest here today, and his name is Mr. Bodine Sanders. Mr. Bodine, can you introduce yourself and greet the audience, please? Well, Dr. Glenn, I appreciate that, and I absolutely enjoyed those quotes. You picked champion quotes. Those were <laughs> great quotes, inspirational quotes, realistic quotes. So, I'm Bodine Sanders, former college athlete. I like to say I'm retired, right? And, uh, you know, I'm the author of Race Against Against Race, my journey of diversity and inclusion through sports. And I talk about my experiences. You know, right now we are engaged in controversies and maybe some might even call it crises regarding race relations. So yes. my book, some will say is timely. I've worked on this project for a while and I'm happy to be on your show to talk about it. 
Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And so, Bo, could you tell us what inspired you originally just to write the book and to give the name Race Against Against Race? Well, that's a two-pronged question, and I'll answer that for you. Absolutely. If you follow Sunday during the football season, if you follow the pregame show on Fox with Terry Bradshaw, Michael Strahan, and that crew, Howie Long is also a part of that Fox crew. Mm-hmm. And Howie Long, Jimmy Johnson, and Howie Long is a Villanova grad. And probably 10 or 12 years ago, he and I were attending his son's, youngest son's, lacrosse state tournament down in Maryland, which is down the road from Pennsylvania. And so one of our fellow alumni was telling Howie my story and Howie said to me, you ought to put it on paper. And Mm -hmm. that was the first time someone had said to me, I should write a book. And then over the years, I would hear people, friends, former colleagues, former contemporaries tell my story. And I said, you know what? I need to tell my story. So that inspired me to tell my story. And then if you remember when Colin Kaepernick took a knee. Yes. And all of the controversy around that, I would hear media folks say, we need to have the race conversation because his narrative was getting lost, right? The reason he took a knee wasn't the reason most people heard why he was taking a knee. They heard something totally different, right? So I would hear the media say, oh, we need to have a race conversation. And I would either yell at my radio in the car or throw something at my TV in my living room and say, hold on, hold on. Athletes on a diverse team has had the race conversation. Mm -hmm. The people who have not had the race conversation are people who are in a space where there's no diversity. Right. Where if you're on a diverse team, regardless of what percentage of diversity it is, if you're on a diverse team, athletes have had that conversation because we're together more than we are. If you think about, let's stick to college sports, right? Yeah. As an athlete during the season, you're with your teammates more than you are your girlfriend, your friends who are not athletes, and your family, right? Yes. So. If you're on a team and you're together all the time, Mother Nature makes it, creates the opportunity to have Mm -hmm. conversations about race. Exactly. Yeah. So there we go. Exactly. Interesting. Interesting. And so after reading your bio, Bo, you mentioned that you transferred from Shaney University to Villanova University. Did you feel that you belonged at Villanova and were an essential part of the team? Why or why not? Well, I did feel I was a part, it took, well, it took just a little long, a little while, a short period of time. That's the better way to say it. Because I had teammates, my immediate teammates, meaning my position teammates, right? I was a defensive back. So in team meetings, I would be with defensive backs. Mm -hmm. And then from the defensive backs, then we would go to a fuller team meeting with the entire defense. And then when you talk about an entire team meeting, that's when the offense will be included. So when I was with my fellow defensive backs, who I was with the most, my teammates had diversity experience in their life. They Mm -hmm. played on a diverse team in Pop Warner, Little League, you know, uh, junior high, senior high. I -hmm. did not. I did not. So I was lacking in the experience of diversity from a player's perspective. So once my teammates helped me navigate that new environment I was in, right, then I was able to use that experience to navigate my experience with my classmates, because those are two different scenarios, right? right? So... But I was mostly focused on playing football. I had something to prove. Mm-hmm. I could walk on twice removed. I walked on at Cheney University. And then when I transferred to Villanova, I walked on that program. 
So I was constantly in a frame of mind where I had to prove I was good enough to be on the team and could play the game on that level. So I didn't have some of the struggles some students of color may have had on campus at Villanova, Mm -hmm. right? And so I'm not going to sit here and deny that there was probably, put it this way, it wasn't utopia every single day, right? Right. Nothing's utopia every single day. Right. But for me specifically, your question, no, I was okay. But also, Dr. Glenn, I was six, two and a half, 200 pounds. Okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Who was going to blatantly cause a problem with me? Right. Right. Now, mm-hmm. sure, they may have been some microaggressions. Sure, they may have, but I would brush them off because that wasn't my focus, right? Right. My focus was on making a team, proving I could play, and dreaming of getting an opportunity to maybe get a chance to go pro, maybe. So yeah, my experience is that's why my book is more or less a factual but positive book, not a grievance book, right? I talk about the facts you know, I was born in 1965, which is the year we passed the Voter Voting Rights Act, the year before we passed the Civil Rights Act. So when you're talking about the 60s, the 70s, and then sports started to change a lot more in the 80s. So some of the things that Jim Brown and Muhammad Ali and Kareem Abdul-Jabbar and all those living legends faced we weren't necessarily faced with all of those same issues. We may have been faced with some of them. Right. I hope that answers your question. Yeah, that does. That does. And so in that framework, Bo, you mentioned that you grew up in Florida. What was it like migrating up north? And tell us about your trip, because then that sets even the framework of when you got to Cheney University, as well as Villanova. How was it much different than living in the South? Well, so if you think about where you grew up as a youngster, right? I grew up in Florida, which in my book I described as the former Southern Confederate South or Mm -hmm. the Jim Crow, or as I named him, the Jim Coward South, right? So growing up, In the South, you heard about all of the issues that folks of color dealt with over the years. Mm -hmm. And I grew up also in a Southern Baptist church. My grandmother was one of the head ushers. So Mm -hmm. I would hear stories from the elders. I would hear stories from people in the neighborhood, right? Even though I lived in a 99% Black neighborhood and community. But we still heard the stories about how people of color were treated over the years. And then you would hear stories about current events, how folks were treated if they were in a white neighborhood or on the white side of town. So obviously, you obviously heard of the Great Migration. Mm -hmm. My grandmother's siblings migrated from Alabama to Detroit so they could find better opportunities for themselves and their families, right? Because if you think about the 50s and 60s and and a little bit prior to that, right? During the Jim Crow era, it was difficult to educate your kids without a hassle. Difficult to find a job that you had the skill set to do without having a hassle. So that's why a lot of our family members migrated up north. So My migration up north wasn't because I felt I was being held back. My migration up north is because it was the only opportunity I had to go to college, which was to Cheney University. So as we traveled from Florida through the state of Georgia, South Carolina, North Carolina, Virginia, Maryland, uh, Delaware to Pennsylvania, the, the guys that from my neighborhood that I traveled with, we drove by car and we were aware of what pitfalls we could run into. Mm-hmm. It was in the back of our mind. 
But in the front of our mind, we knew we would drive the speed limit. We would do all the right things to, in order to get to our destination without any major issues. And we accomplished that. So my trip that I write about was more or less an adventure because it was my second time out of the state of Florida. And it was obviously my first time driving through all those states because mm-hmm. I had never visited all of those states I previously mentioned before. So it was a good, I mean, just imagine your first time taking a trip across country if you've never done it before. You're right. excited, right. you're excited, you're a little nervous, right? A little anxious. I mean, you go through all these emotions. And those are the emotions I write about that I was going through. You know, you hear kids play these games of, you know, read the uh, license plate on the back of someone's car. So I kind of entertain myself in that way a little bit as well. I'd see who was coming from where and who was going and what the license plate said and bumper stickers and what type of hotels we pass and all of that stuff. So for me, it was a very interesting trip to Pennsylvania. And I write about it. Okay, great, great. And so each chapter in your book and topic ends in race. Why race? Well, if you think about it, the word race has an academic definition, mm-hmm. right? Yes. And it also has a meaning. And if the word is spelled one way, mm-hmm. right? So the word race in the dictionary is giving you the definition or meaning competition, right? Mm-hmm. But another way of using the word race or the way we use the word race in the English language, the meaning is ethnicity. So my memoir is a binary narrative. Mm -hmm. It's about my journey of wanting to play college football and play sport and the journey through playing sports and wanting to play on a college level. But the other narrative is what I discovered regarding diversity and inclusion while I was on that journey. So I figured if I had a binary narrative, wow, I need to make sure the book title matches that. And what I learned by having conversations with other authors is don't spend so much time thinking of the title of your book in the beginning. Wait till the end of the book right? and then come up with the title because it'll be easier And it was the perfect advice. So I was able to come up with the title. Exactly. And so radio audience, you want to listen to that advice that Bodine Sanders just basically gave us. The title of his book, Race Against Against Race, is a binary narrative. And again, if you're writing a book, and I can tell you from my own experience, you definitely want to wait till you write the whole book, then name the title. It makes it so much easier because then you have various narratives And then you've created a plot and a system that then helps you to make it easier to write the narrative of the book or the title of the book. If you do it the other way around, it's so much harder because you don't know which direction you're going to go in or what can sway you to pull the book into another direction. So thank you so much for that words of advice, because that's great for a lot of budding authors out there. And so... Could you just basically tell the audience, a lot of people don't know that Division One, really the football team, and I could say this because I work at a SEC as well as a D1 college and university. A lot of times the football team actually carries the school. The name of the, the greatness of the school is really based on the football. So could you tell the audience a little about D1 sports and D1 football and how even just the name, just to say you go to a Pacific name of a university or college university means a lot. And if the football team is on point, that is just icing on the cake. Could you speak to that? Absolutely, Doc. I write about it in my book. Cheney the oldest HBCU in the country, was founded in 1837. Its football program was Division II. And I love Cheney University. Cheney gave me the opportunity to go to college where no other school gave me an opportunity. 
right? Mm-hmm. So I was in love with Cheney. The only reason I left Cheney and transferred to Villanova is because Villanova's football team was a Division One AA football program. Right. Now, hold it right there. That's a really important point because a lot of athletes go to Division One not only because of the eliteness of it, but also because scouts tend to, not all the time, but they tend to actually sometimes recruit from Division One. Is that often true? Yes, absolutely. Yes. Mm-hmm. Because that's, yeah. where, mm-hmm. that's where the bulk of the talent is. Right. Now, you can still attend an HBCU or attend a Division II school and still get recognized because if you're an outstanding athlete, you're an outstanding athlete and people are going to hear about you. But generally speaking, the pros go to the division one programs and scout for talent to draft to the pros. You're yeah. absolutely correct. Yeah. Now there is a school, um, North Carolina A&T, their track and field program. I um, watch them a lot. They are really now really rising in the ranks. Some of the athletes are beating a lot of the SEC talent out there and also really doing very well than the Division I schools. And so we do have HBCUs that are really rising in the ranks. But, you know, as it weighs today, you kind of want to be in a D1 school so that you can then have a better chance or possibly get noticed to get into the ranks. And so that leads me to my next question, Bo. How did it feel to accomplish your dream by playing at the D1 football level? Well, a lot of it is basically bragging rights. A lot (laughs) of it has to do with ego, right? I mean, let's be real. A lot of it has to do with show and tell. You know, you go back home for Christmas break or a holiday break, and you get to brag amongst your friends and frenemies, right, right, in your neighborhood, right? Or you get to brag against some high school competitors who played for the competitive high school team that your high school team competed against. Sometimes it really just boils down to really an ego or having the ability to brag about where you go to school. I mean, that doesn't end with being an athlete. I mean, as a student, having the ability to say, I graduated or I'm attending an Ivy League school is an awesome statement if you're home talking to someone who's attending a state school that's not well known, right? Right. So that crosses the line of whether or not it's just an athletic thing versus exactly. And in American Western culture, we have a lot of those comparisons, whether you drive a Honda CRV or a maximum or a Mercedes Benz. It really depends on the name and the price of the car, not so much the quality as well. And I was just having that this conversation today with someone. Sometimes getting into Harvard, Yale, some of those Ivy League schools, it's all about who you know. If you are coming from a well-to-do family that have the connections you're in, no matter what your grades are, even though you're Someone else who may not be that much known in that field may have better high school grades. A lot of times it's just basically the name. The people say all the time in South Carolina, is Clemson better than USC or USC better than Clemson? It depends on a lot of times on the football team who's the best at that point and then how much research dollars is coming in. So at the end of the day, it really doesn't make a difference. It's all about the dollar that really counts in most instances. The hard work and the dedication is what you do to make your dreams come true. So what we're trying to really say, it doesn't matter what school you go to, as long as you put in hard work success, you can be the next Bill Gates or whatever. It's not depending on background and circumstances. Can you speak to that? I totally agree with that statement Mm because again, my memoir starts off with me graduating high school and not having a scholarship to go to college to play football. So my dream as a little chocolate morsel was turning into a nightmare because I saw a couple of my teammates get scholarships to Boston College, 
Central Florida. One mm. of my teammates was headed to Cheney uh, mm. and Troy and other schools. So mm. even in track, right? I had teammates who ran track as well, who were headed to Mississippi State, North Carolina. So yeah, I was in that position where I had nowhere to go. And what was I going to do? I didn't give up on my dream. I kept fighting. I kept working out. My sister, who was at Bethune-Cookman College, now it's called Bethune-Cookman University in Daytona Beach, she wanted me to go to college. So she started working her magic. My godmother started working her magic. And I kept working out and showing. I wasn't just talking at the side of my neck, Doc. I was actually showing them through my actions that I wanted to go to college. So they were going, they were prepared to stick their neck out to make sure I got to college. So I kept hustling, I kept working, I kept working out, I kept my nose straight, I didn't get in trouble. And then the next thing you know, I was thrown a Hail Mary and I was headed to college. Awesome. And so you can't give up on your dream and you can't be choosy either. Right? right. If I would have told my sister who got me into Cheney that I wasn't going, I was going to wait another six months to see if I can get into South Carolina because the Gamecocks sent me an introduction letter when I was a junior. She would have smacked me across my head and told me <laughs> to go somewhere. Right. I was going to college once she got me in and the family members got me in. So. I took that opportunity, and then next thing you know, instead of griping about being at a Division II school, I end up getting the opportunity to live my dream by transferring to Villanova. So it all works itself out, like you said. It will work itself out. Yes, yes. And so, audience, I want you to take away some of the golden nuggets that Bodine mentioned because he said a mouthful, which is basically the memoir of his book. The first part is Race Against. And the race against basically life, circumstances, what's in your head, that you can do it. You just have to have the vision and the tunnel vision to be able to say, hey, I'm going to finish what I started off with and I'm going to see it in completion. Then he mentioned his family. He had a strong community that said, hey, if you're going to do it, we can help you. But we have to see that you really want to do it. And when you have that dunamis success in your mind, then your surroundings, your community will then support you to get to where you need to go. And so he didn't sit, as Bo mentioned, just saying, hey, I didn't get into the D1 school. I'm just going to sit and wait six months. Or No, he went and continued. He got more experience through developing skills and making contacts. And then lo and behold, Villanova picked him up and now he's at a D1 school. So it's not how long the race is not given to the swift, but those that endure to the end. And so, Bo, you have really given us some really motivational topics. Now, before we go on and take a commercial break, bro, how can people get your book? Could you give out your information so that people can contact you or order your book, Race Against Against Race? Absolutely. All the information you need is on my website, which is Bo. DeanSanders.com. That's B-O hyphen D-E-A-N Sanders, S-A-N-D-E-R-S.com. All the information's there. You can click on the book page, all your favorite online retailers, their logos are there. You can click on Amazon, Barnes and Noble, Books a Million, whoever you like to use and order the book. And if you want to shoot me an email, you can click on the email and send me an email through my website as well. Awesome. Awesome. And so there may be a young man out there. You're in the 11th or 12th grade. You have a knack for sports. You want to get into the D1. You want to make it to the NFL, but it all starts at a seed level. You want to sharpen your skills. You may not have the grades to get into the D1. You shouldn't let that stop you. Go to the community college, still play in the support systems or the local supports, and then work your way. Networking, finding a mentor, 
These are great tools. You never know. As Bo just explained to us, he went to another university, but then later went into the D1. And so, again, the race is not given on a set pattern. It could come in a different way. All you have to do is persevere and continue to work hard. And you never know what life or the universe will bring your way. And it may offer you an opportunity that you wasn't looking for. And so you want to take that and embrace that. Bo, can you speak on that? Mm -hmm. Oh, absolutely. I couldn't have said it better myself. The things, what I learned was as I was growing up during Christmas and the holiday season, you have bowl games, right? And I would hear the announcers talk about an athlete who after high school went on a religious mission for two years, came back and then started school. Or I'd hear a story about an athlete who attended a junior college first, right? And then got the opportunity to move up to division one because everybody's not the same. I like to say I'm a slow learner, but a quick study. I was a slow developed athlete, right? I didn't grow to six feet, six, two and a half inches until I was a junior in high school. So I was slow developed which means I didn't get as much playing time and playing experience as I would have liked. Plus, my mom wouldn't even let me play Little League football until I got to junior high school. Mm -hmm. So I was already lack of experience behind the eight ball. But what I did was during the off seasons, I'd work out. I'd run wind sprints in front of my mom's house till mm -hmm. one o'clock in the morning. I see my godmother who lived across the street look out her window to make sure I was safe. My sisters would look out their windows to make sure I was safe. So I continued to work out. You cannot give up on your dream and you can't take the easy way out. That's the problem. A lot of kids want to take the easy way out. No, if you truly want to do something, you're prepared to sacrifice and, and, and deal with the hard work that's right. part of the process, right? Yeah. A lot of people want to skip the process. No, the process is what makes you who you are. Yes, 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 yes. And audience, race against against race. Bo Dean captures the mindset of not long ago and even today. His story goes beyond sports, breaking down barriers to everyday lessons of reaching out, talking, and building relationships. It is a must-read for young and old. You want to go out and get Bodine's book, Race Against Against Race. After this commercial break, we will come back and talk with Bodine Sanders. Hi, I'm Dr. Orlando Morris McCauley Jr., a candidate for Episcopal service in the AME Church. I'm the father of three young men and one daughter who are millennials. Their vision and concept of church is quite different than tradition. One of my visions as candidate for bishop is to find innovative ways for which millennials can exercise their gifts and share their vision, especially through technology. There are a few ways you can help the Macaulay for Bishop campaign by donating monetary gifts. You may do so by visiting our website at www.macaulayforbishop.com and clicking on the donation page on the menu. You may donate using the Cash App or the Givelify options. Your gift can make a huge difference in the life of the church. Find us on Facebook at Macaulay for Bishop 2020. Share our link, promote what we do, or find out how to volunteer. The Lord blessing keep you is my prayer. Do you have that burning desire to educate, empower, and inspire community? We here at WDRB Media provide you with such wonderful opportunities to make such a positive impact. So step out on faith and make a significant difference with your gift. We care about your voice and the impact it has. Call 1-877-342-7770 and provide them with the code 1349 to begin the process. That's 1-877-342-7770 and code 1349. Do you need a certain SAT score to get into the college of your choice? 
Where Dr. Odell Glenn can help you get it, the three-tier foundation offers online SAT prep classes. Dr. Glenn will show you test strategies and tactics needed to get the score you want. The exam is beatable with the proper coach. We are open to working with individuals, schools, and groups for six-week online sessions. Sign up at www.3tierfoundation.com forward slash SAT dash preparation. That's www.3tierfoundation.com forward slash SAT dash preparation. Well, welcome back, radio audience. We are having a very, very interesting conversation with Mr. Bodine Sanders and his memoir, Race Against Against Race. It is a book beyond sports. It is a book beyond race, but it is a book that empowers you to look beyond your circumstances. And so, Bo, we just want to commend you again for writing such an awesome book. And we want to ask you this question. Did you feel that your Southern upbringing, your Baptist values, your personality, your education and background were valued at college? It took a little while for me to uh, feel totally comfortable because, and that's a great question, because we all grow up in different regions, different parts of the country. Everybody's different, regardless if you are Black, white, if you're specific Italian, Jamaican, you know, whatever your ethnicity is, a lot of what you are is based on the region which you grow up. So I grew up in the South. I came up North. I learned quickly that people from New York had different attitudes and different perspectives than people from North Carolina, right? (laughs) People in New York was like, listen, we don't have time for it. They talk fast. They walk fast. They do everything fast. They don't have time for BS. They keep it moving. And they will tell you what's on their mind. I learned that quickly. Mm -hmm. But what I also learned was the Southern hospitality that people in the South grew up with Mm-hmm. was not the type of hospitality people in the Northeast right. appreciated. So when I would make eye contact and say hello to people, some people would look at me and go, yeah, why are you talking to me? Why you, why, what do you want? Right? right. So they weren't used to Southern hospitality. And I had to get used to that. So I had to curve how friendly I had to be. And then once people got to know and hear that, hey, he's from Florida, he's a Southern boy, boom, boom, boom. Then they were able to say, okay. But if they didn't know me and they didn't, hadn't heard about me yet, for me to just to walk up and introduce myself to someone, you know, I had to get used to that because everybody was from different parts of the country. Right, 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 right. And so that leads me to my next question. So as you mentioned, you integrated into your new environment by staying positive, evolving, and learning. You shared experiences with those with different cultural backgrounds. And so what shared experiences or similarities were you most surprised to discover? Oh, my goodness. Well, I write about specifically relationships that I had with teammates I could talk about Perry Hodge, Rich Lage, AKA Big Country, and I fell upon a hardship. I did, although I got to Villanova, proved I can play, I still had hardships. And one hardship was I never ended up getting that scholarship, but I didn't want to quit. So I stayed in school because I understood the value of having an education, meaning having the name Villanova University on a white piece of paper with black ink meant more after I graduated than me trying to transfer out because I didn't get a scholarship and going through that process again. Right, right. I worked hard. I had work study, right? You heard of the work study program. Every university probably has it. And at one point, I didn't have enough money to pay for my room and board. I had enough to pay for my tuition. So I was homeless for about a week and two of my black teammates helped me out. They allowed me to sleep in their room on the floor for a night or two. Then I shift to another 
pair of black teammates sleep on in their room for a night or two. But then one night, I knocked on one of my teammates' door next door, and the two teammates were in the room, and I stuck my head in the door to say hi. And they said, oh, we heard that you're sleeping next door on the floor. And I said, yeah, I gotta, I'm going to work it out. I'm going to find a way to get me a dorm. And these two white teammates of mine said, no, you can stay with us the whole year. And that's great. Mm -hmm. But I had to learn from the first day I was on campus till that time when I was a junior, there was a process of me getting to the point where I could trust that they were being sincere about allowing me to sleep in their room for the full year, right? Right. And so thank goodness I went through that process. So when they offered, I wasn't a knucklehead and I turned them down. No, I looked at them was like, really, truly? And they were like, come on, we're gonna help you move in. Like before I put my foot in my mouth and said no, they were immediately up. Let's get your stuff, let's move you in. And boom. So that's what teammates are supposed to do. But when you look at the deeper dynamic, there were three of us from three different parts of the South, Virginia, Hilton Head and Jacksonville. And people didn't think that kind of relationship would last. But guess what? We're brothers to this day. And we tell each other on the phone before we hang up. We love each other before we hang up. And that's a great That's how you build a long lasting, sustainable relationship because the relationship started in the beginning the right way, right? We were teammates, we got to know each other. Over the years, we built a great relationship and then boom, when their teammate fell upon a hardship, they were there for me. They had empathy and they said, we'll take the risk of getting in trouble by letting you, because you know, you're not allowed to do that, right? Yes. And people do it all the time, but they took a risk and it worked out. You know what, you just answered my next question because my next question was, do you still to this day keep in contact with your roommates? And oh. basically that's beautiful. And so audience, I just want to bring Bodine's example to the table because Sometimes when you open yourself up to the universe, you don't know who is out there willing to bless you. And so you were determined, even though you didn't get the scholarship to stay on the football team and to get that education. And sometimes, as we all know, for those who have four year degrees, as well as graduate school, know that sometimes you go broke and you are starving because Tuition costs a lot of money, but you're still determined to get the education because you know the value of it, what it will be later in the future. So you're not looking at the now, but then when you have that determination, you open yourself up, blessings come to you in ways you don't unexpect in certain instances. And so this is exactly what happened. And today, the communication And the friendship is still there. This leads me to my next question so that you can address the audience both. So you discovered your teammates and your classmates in your circle developed and grew relationships based on mutual respect and acceptance. What is one thing you would suggest to athletes today or people in general to address, develop, and grow relationships with people from different races? Well, first, I'll use a good example. There's a gentleman out there who's a former football player who debuted his book. My book debuted December 22nd. His book debuted right around Thanksgiving or just before in November of last year. And his name is Emmanuel Ocho. He's on Fox Sports One as a sports guy, like a debate program. And they debate sports topics all day long. And the title of his book is, and I don't mind saying it, is uncomfortable conversations with a black man. And the difference between his book and my book, based on my experience, you catch more flies with honey than you do with vinegar. Now, what do I mean by that? You guys have heard it before. If you're building a coalition, if you're building allies, if you're trying to build a group of people right? 
and everybody is a part of that movement and you want to move the ball forward in a positive way, mm-hmm. I believe you do that by having low hanging fruit or from the heart conversations, meaning you meet someone, you introduce yourself, and then you find what you have in common. The chances are, Doc, if you and I met each other for the first time and we immediately have an uncomfortable conversation, what are the chances of us developing a friendship if we're both having an uncomfortable conversation? Uncomfortable means you're on one side of the field and I'm on the other. It's a competition. You don't begin friendships and develop friendships from competition. You develop friendships from finding common ground. Exactly. Right? You find out what you have in common, regardless if you, whatever it is. And guess what? The things, and and someone says, well, how do you approach that? Well, guess what? Food is a great conversation to have to find out what you have in common. Music, music is another conversation you can have to find out what you have in common. Because, Doc, you may like seafood. I may like Southern food. But we find out that we both like Italian. Exactly. So we build it from there. Doc, you may like jazz. I may like country. But we both love gospel. Yeah. And guess what? We found what we have in common. And then you build from there. Yes. Yes. Yeah. That's awesome. That's awesome. That's awesome. And so you hit something on the nose. You want to open yourself up to all the blessings that life has for you, irregardless of race and irregardless of background. Because again, you never know where life will will bring you. I was just interviewing someone last week, the other week, and she had a Jewish mentor and didn't know why this Jewish man was really after her to bring her towards success. And today she counts him as her mentor and she's now making some extraordinary money based on his mentorship and guidance. So you don't want to ever limit yourself based on geography or race. And even today we're living in a age where we're dealing with the internet and open to all types of people. You want to grow by just learning from different people. Every day you can learn something from someone. And if you have topics that you want to share, we all believe, breathe or all breathe the same air and we all have the same different types of blood, but the same blood, which is red. And so you kind of want to open yourself up so that you can explore that they learn something from you and you learn something from them. Hey, and Doc, so, can, I, can I add? Can I add? Yeah, go ahead. Again, growing up in a Southern Baptist church on Sundays, the yellow school bus would pick us up, my siblings and I, go to my grandmother's church for Sunday school, have a break, and then go to church. And I had two foundations that helped me when I faced hardships. I had the foundation of my church and my church upbringing, spiritual upbringing, and I had the foundation of sports. And you might say, well, what's the foundation of sports? Trust, communication, listen, right? Discipline, values, and character. That's what coaches and coaches are basically teachers. So if you have coaches throughout your playing career preaching the foundation of sports, and then you have, in my example, I had the foundation, right? Growing up in the church, both of those gave me the opportunity to have my feet on solid ground whenever I ran into a problem. And so if you have love thy neighbor as you love thyself, right? If you have those foundations in you, then you have the spirit and the character and the values to guide you in the right direction. Mm -hmm. And that's what helped me. I just wanted to add that. Good, good. Yes, exactly. Thank you for sharing that. And I know it's helped somebody out in the podcast and the radio audience world. And so, Bo, how do you have difficult conversations with those who are not willing to examine the roles of identity and culture as they relate to race? I know we all have people that 
you come in contact with and that are rough over the edges about this. <laughs> but how do you deal with those difficult conversations? Well, it depends on, and not every conversation is the same. What I like to do is I like to use analogies or metaphors or even cliches regarding sports to say to folks, you know, and see when you're having a conversation with another athlete that may have a different approach or in a different opinion about something, you, it, it might be easier to find common ground because, again, they have a foundation of sports. But if you're having a conversation with someone who don't have the foundation of sports, totally forgot the good things, hopefully, that parents taught them as a child growing up, those good values. Sometimes you just got to cut people loose. Right. I mean, really, if someone's having a conversation and I truly believe in the eye and the sky don't lie. Well, what does that mean? The video camera doesn't lie. If we're playing a game and the video camera, right, we call it instant replay, shows that you were holding the opposite player, the ref is going to throw the flag. You can complain all you want, but the, the instant replay shows you were holding the player. That's a flag. You cost your team a penalty, right? That person can say all day long, I didn't do it. I didn't do it. But guess what? The eye in the sky doesn't lie. So when you're having conversations with folks, if they're uh, what's the word? I want to be diplomatic here. If they have common sense, if they know and understand the differences between right and wrong, mm -hmm. and they value right and wrong, then you can have a conversation with them. But some people you just can't have conversations with because they let integrity fly out the window. Right. Well, you, gotta, you, you don't have conversations with them. Why waste your time? Yeah, there are exactly. other people you can talk to that have integrity, common sense, and then, and then you can have a conversation. They know how to have a conversation. Some people don't know how to have a conversation. They don't know it takes two people. One listens while the other one talks, and then the other one listens while that opposite person talks. But if you're just having a conversation with someone who only wants to talk, you're wasting your time. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And so leading up to that or following that question, Bo, what if we now have found someone that is open to the race conversation? How would you suggest people start the race conversation? Again, I'll fall back to finding common ground, mm -hmm. right? You just find common ground. You take yeah. it. It's not it's not a competition, Doc. Mm -hmm. It's not a competition. Right. Mm -hmm. Remove the element and emotion of competition out of it. It's right. you've got to be genuine and you don't have the conversation by saying, if you're a person of color, by saying George Floyd was murdered and I firmly believe that. Right. Come on. That's not how you start a conversation with someone who you want to be an ally and you understand and think and they told you they want to be an ally. What you do is you talk about things that make sense, things that you both can agree on. OK, we both agree that we have issues in this country or regarding race. What can we do as a team exactly. on a daily basis moving the ball forward? A little bit at a time. Sometimes you get lucky, right? In football, I'll use this real quick. Right, we all know the goal is to get a first down. That means you have four downs to get 10 yards. Well, guess what? Some people think and forget that you have four downs to get 10. Some people try to get a touchdown on the first play of the game. It doesn't work all the time. Yes. You have to want to do the work. Yes. If you've got four downs, use those four downs to get 10. Why? Because you get another four downs to get another 10. Exactly. There's nothing wrong with methodically working your way downfield to score the touchdown. You just can't throw a Hail Mary every play because it ain't going to work. Yes, exactly. Does that, make, does that make sense? Exactly, exactly. So common ground and just 
talking about life, I mean, we all have to live. We all have to pay taxes. It's so much so easy for I don't have a problem with I never had a problem of meeting other races, traveling to other countries, learning about new cultures, eating new foods. You know, that just came second nature to me. But there are people that I meet that have trouble embracing life in general and taking themselves out of their spaces. But as Mm -hmm. you mentioned, Bo, the answer to that is basically to find a common ground. There are times we're sitting on a bus or we're driving or standing in line and just starting a conversation. Oh, this isn't the sun really hot today. That's a great place to start a grassroots effort. And then you find that, hey, you learn a lot about them. They learn about you. Before you know it, you guys may be starting a nonprofit together. And so you have to have a conscientious effort to be able to open yourself up to embrace all that life has for you. Because as I mentioned earlier, we basically, God wants us to innovate and he uses us to create opportunities that we can better the world or better ourselves or better our community or better our family. And that has to start with, it all begins with love, love for your fellow man, as well as for yourself. I totally so, agree, Doc. I totally agree. It, it all you. starts with the heart, starts with love, yep. just being genuine and not trying to be fake and phony. Like you said, if you're in a supermarket line and you've somebody in front of you or behind you, you notice maybe a couple of items that they've got. You notice the person behind you, a couple of items they got. And you can start a conversation from there. Oh, you're making mac and cheese? Oh, I love yeah. mac and cheese. Right? right? And then you go from there. Yeah. You might find out a new recipe regarding mac and cheese. Exactly. It doesn't have to be difficult or uncomfortable. It can be just that simple. Yes. It makes your day. It makes their day. And it makes the surroundings and the communities much brighter, which is something that we need. And so, Bo, we are running out of time. The hours seem so fast. <laughs> like you having when you're having fun, the time goes by so fast. Absolutely. But what do you want your readers to come away with when they purchase your book? Oh, there's a lot of. I mean, hey, Doc, I made sure that my manuscript. You know, you hear people go, "Oh, I just want people to to. I want to help one person, or I just want someone to pick up one thing from my book." No. I worked hard on this manuscript. There's enough information regarding my experiences for a lot of people, many people, right? My book has seven chapters, 42 topics. I cover everything. And for our allies, our white brothers and sisters who could be listening to your program, I made sure I highlighted people in my book where they would feel comfortable identifying with, right? You hear the term walking. Sometimes you got to walk in people's shoes. Well, sometimes it's difficult for a person of color to walk in a white person's shoes. And it also could be difficult for our white brothers and sisters to walk in our shoes. So I made sure I highlighted multiple people, multiple characters in my book so they can identify with them and say, okay, I identify with someone. I understand where they were coming from. They may be similar to me in name, ethnicity, religion, job position, right? So there's enough information for people to read, right? This is not a one-sided book for our African-American brothers and sisters. I wrote this book for any and everybody to read so they can educate themselves, find inspiration in some of the characters, and be able to take something away and grow from it, right? The goal as a writer is to educate, encourage, right? Encourage, motivate, and provide for the reader to walk away with, okay, what's the action plan? What can I do next? What are the results of it? And that's what my goal was. So people can find a lot in this book. Awesome. Awesome. And so, Bo, can you tell us how the audience can get your book again for those that weren't able to get it earlier? 
Absolutely. You can go to my website, bo-deansanders.com. Or if you just, if you forget about the hyphen, you can still Google Bo Dean Sanders and it'll pop up. Mm-hmm. And uh, go to my website. All the information you need is on my website. You can find your online retailers there as well by clicking on the book uh, link. And you can hear some of my interviews as well by clicking on the media link. So all the information they need is on my website. And so before we go, Bo, what's next? What's no, next for Bo Dean Sanders? <laughs> well, you know, the goal is to survive this pandemic mm-hmm. and use the opportunity to speak with not just student athletes, because that's easy. My goal is to deliver my message to corporate America if they want to hear it. Mm-hmm. I consider myself an advocate for diversity and inclusion. Also, there's two more books after this. I haven't started working on the second one yet, but you know, probably in the next eight to 12 months, I will begin to work on the second book. And it'll be along the same lines, diversity and inclusion from a sports perspective. But the second book is going to be from a coaching perspective. And then the third book will be from the media that covers sports perspective. But you know, I'm in this space for the duration. There are lots of good folks out there, lots of good allies and folks like you, Doc, who can deliver a message, right? We We all contribute in our own way. And that's the goal. You're doing it in your way. I'm doing it in my way. And the goal is to get the message out to the masses so folks can can take the opportunity to improve, enhance their life experiences. Awesome. Awesome. Bo, it has been a blessing and a encouraging moment to have you on the show. I'm sure someone in the audience has been blessed. I've been inspired and motivated myself. And audience, you definitely want to go out and get Bo Dean Sanders' book and order it and learn from it and share with your children as well. And so unfortunately, this is all the time we have on the OG Inspiration Show. Hoping you have an awesome week this week. Be blessed, learn a lot, embrace diversity, embrace different cultures, and learn new things each week and each day. God bless until next week. This is Dr. Glenn signing off.